This is a podcast from the Royal Court Theatre. The following content may contain strong language. Hello, this is the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights Podcast with me, Simon Stevens. April D'Angelis has been writing for the theatre since the mid-80s, starting her career as an actor for the significant feminist theatre company Monstrous Regiment. She wrote her first play, Breathless, in 1987. Since then, she's applied her ferocious spirit of inquiry and crackling wit to over 20 plays that have been produced widely in Britain's most important theatres and throughout the world. Her first play produced at the Royal Court, Hush, directed in 1992 by Max Stafford Clark explored the political and psychodynamics underpinning the disappearance of a 15-year-old girl. It was, she said at the time, an attempt to consciously move away from the didacticism and certainties of some of her earlier feminist plays. Since then, I think she has explored the gaps between her political commitments to gender equality and the contradictions and uncertainties that define her character's experiences. Her 2005 play Wild East was a savage, surreal exploration of the capitalism of an office workplace. Her play Jumpy, produced at the Royal Court in 2011, is something of a modern classic. It puts the relationship between a woman and her daughter at the heart of an exploration of the nature of identity in this country and explores and interrogates a generation of women who might identify themselves as post-feminist. She is a prolific theatre maker. She's engaged in adaptations and written libretti. She's written plays staged at the Theatre Royal Haymarket and is as likely to write short plays for the Theatre 503. The range and energy of her work is unified by her intelligence and her spirit of an inquiry and her caustic, self-deprecating wit. April D'Angelis, welcome to the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights Podcast. Thank you, Simon. That was really, that was really great. <laughs> I'm coming here again. Really no, nice really, to see you. Yeah, it's nice to see you, and that was really nice. Thanks. Well, one of the things which I try and do with these introductions is make them a very personal exploration of my perception of what the writers are. Mm. So uh, hopefully we'll explore in the conversation whether my perception of what you're doing accords with your perception yeah, of what you're true. doing. Because it may, it may not. Um, I, I always want to ask my guests the same first question. Mm-hmm. which is, um, when was the first time you went to the theatre? Oh, the first time I went to the theatre that I can remember, I think would have been a pantomime. would have been like a... And I think it was, um, it was uh, a pantomime with Jimmy Tarbuck in it. And, he's uh, one of the safe ones, isn't he, Jimmy? T- <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's lovely, Jimmy, and he's Lisa Tarbuck's dad. Where was where was that? I think that was that was like it, God, it must have been in the West End somewhere. Or in maybe, London? Yeah, it was in London. Yeah, I grew up in London, and uh, and um, I do remember this thing of the play stopped at one point, whatever it was, uh, Aladdin or I don't know, mm. or Buttons. What's Buttons in? He stopped it at one point and said, hey, now, "Now everyone comes on stage for a doll," and I was like, "That's." What? I was, that's ridiculous. I remember being really outraged. Like, that's not the story of Aladdin, that you have to go and get a doll. And did Do you, you really, go and get a doll? No, I didn't. I was really like, I didn't get a doll. But I also remember being really like, 
cross. So even in those early years, <laughs> your sense of the importance angry. of the story and the playwright <laughs> yes. rather than the kind of like a yeah. deconstruction of it. Was, also, was I was horrified at the do- a doll. Why are you giving away a doll to a woman? Maybe it's my gender <laughs> politics are actually being like gen- provoked Gender, gender politics point. and dramaturgy. <laughs> what, what age was that? Well, I, I mean, if I'm right, mm. I'm, I must have been about six or something. Right. But then I never went to the theatre again for like was, 20 years. Was, was theatre in your family as you were growing up? No, it wasn't actually, no. no. But I think school, school is a good place where a lot of people come across theatre and drama. And So I did I did a lot of, um, I did plays at school mm. and I was, you know, that kind of thing. When did you start acting? Because I'm right in saying yeah. that you started acting before you were writing, yeah? Yes, yeah. I start, well, I really, I did really want to be an actor at some point about mm. kind of, I don't know, at about 11 or something, I suddenly right. thought that's what I really wanted to do because I was yeah. trying to think, what do people do? You know, yes. you've got a, a life, you've got to work. Well, what's fun? You know, I just, yeah. did, that was one of my big plans to make sure that whatever I did was going to be really fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, but also I really wanted to be an actor. I used to practice reading poems aloud, like, uh, you know, and, and sort of, and I think actually, unbeknownst to me, I must have been educating myself. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, because I, I, I was always practicing aloud reading, yeah. you know. And, uh, God. Did you act in school plays or things like that? Yeah, act in school plays. I was toad and toad of toad hall. Oh, well done. I know, it was really good. We had a re- I had a really fun drama teacher, actually, when I was a kid. I was in the good. production of Toad and Toad Hall. <gasps> what were you? I was the second ferret. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the, lead, not the oh. lead ferret. I didn't have a speaking role. Oh, no. I just basically stood in, in the back row in a jumper. <laughs> <laughs> what, looking sinister? But Toad is pretty good. Toad's yeah. got words and everything. Well, Toad's really good, yeah. Especially yeah. when I accidentally shot myself in the face with his starting pistol and light. <laughs> <laughs> and it was incredible. I was like, what the fuck happened there? It was like this blast of hot air. And I sort of staggered around the stage and carried, you know, you have to carry on, don't you? Which oh is really Lord. fascinating, actually. You sort of, I love it that you, you're taught that. Whatever you do, don't stop. Don't run off the stage. Just keep going. Did you train as an actor? I did. I, well, I, I went to university and did Where a lot did of go? plays, Sussex, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, basically did <laughs> lots of plays. What were you reading? English, mm-hmm. English literature. And what plays, do you remember plays that you did in particular? Uh, the Three Sisters, which I really loved being in and loved that, you know, coming across Chekhov, who, I mean, was, I mean, I think, there's an, is there anybody that writes plays that doesn't really love Chekhov? Or anyone that goes to the theatre doesn't love Chekhov, do you know what I mean? It's something sort of so magical and yeah. well, you get so lost in those worlds. Well, you've blinking well. No, I, yeah, adapt, I, not adapted, translated. What's the word? Uh, I, I certainly fiddled with. I, I fiddled. Chekhov. I fiddled with Chekhov. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a version. I wrote a version. Is what it's yes, the, it's the, version, that's the okay. semantics that I use. Because yeah, I think adaptation amazing. is is when you take something from one form and put it into another. Yes. And translation is when you take it from one language and put it into other, yeah. another. A version, I think is working from an accurate or a literal translation mm. to make it actable. And yes. I think you're right. I always think playwrights have, they have kind of masters who they unconsciously sit, or mistresses who yeah. they unconsciously sit at the feet of. Yes. And I think Chekhov is mine. Is it? I yeah. think, yeah, I think yeah. he's the writer in yeah. whom I most recognise what I hope to be yeah. or hope to do. Yeah, yeah, which certainly that's a good, it's a good master. Yeah. I'm suddenly very conscious, and I, it's it's problematic, but I'll yeah. declare the problem. I'm very conscious that uh, of, of the gendered nature of this conversation. Talking about mm. a mistress seems very different to talking about a master. Well, I know, because uh, mistress has sexual connotations. Yeah, isn't and that... And is usually a mistress of a master. Yes. I mean, it's one of the things about language, and uh, one of the things about... Uh, 
being a woman and something one of the questions with gender isn't it that is there an equivalence or are we always stuck in the idea that somehow to be a man to be a master to be mm. central I mean all those questions everybody knows about but uh, they, they, they are powerful because you trip over them all the time don't you yep. I always go doc- someone says is there a doctor and I go is he and I go oh my god I'm like how I'm a feminist <laughs> I've done it again I mean I still find it sometimes I catch myself doing it. Not all the time, but sometimes I do. But a feminist, so living in, a feminist living in patriarchy, you can't completely master patriarchy single-handedly. Well, it's not totally... I mean, it is it's patriarchy in some ways, but, you know, there are... Women have, you know, changed... So they, that would be yeah. to do women down, wouldn't it? Because we've done... We've changed so much. If we were living 100 years ago or... My mum always says, you know, when she was applying for jobs, when she would, it would be like women de- need not apply, you know, because there were certain yeah. types of jobs that really? women went for, because clerical work, yeah. uh, nursery n- nurses, you know, that sort of te- teachers. But even if you were a teacher, there was a time, wasn't there, when you you had to be single and not married. All this sort of stuff that so women were very prescribed. They're not. We're not like that now. We've we've had a revolution, so we're were, not living in patriarchy in quite the way we were. Were you conscious of the patriarchal nature of li- the literary canon when you were at Sussex when you were reading? No, I mean that's an. I mean yes, in some ways actually that's not true because it, we it was it was I was there in 1980 1983 yeah. Yeah. and the, you know it was it was a very political place to be mm. and the, a lot of the courses and the lecturers were political people and we were really we we really did discuss the canon you know and then we would we'd read Virginia Woolf and think about how she was um taking a kind of was she making a, a kind of narrative turning it over in its head making it a female narrative because what she would stress is not what a kind of a classic realist text would stress you know she was always going in the gaps blah 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 so you know so I think it was but at the same time it wasn't quite I mean Carol Churchill She'd written, she was in the 70s, wasn't she? But she hadn't kind of leaked, I don't think she leaked into my consciousness until sort of Top Girls, mm. you know. Yeah. Uh, which was amazing. So that's, so I, 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 so 1980, if you think what hadn't been written in 1980, you sort of get a, it's like another, a bit like another world, isn't it? You know? I must remember, I'm, I'm going to get producer Emily, uh, who I'm going to start referring to throughout these podcasts, yeah. to make, make sure I do this, to talk to, when I talk to Ender Walsh or David yeah. Hare about their playwriting, to yeah. make sure I ask them about the gendered nature of their reading. Yes, too. Because <laughs> well, I'm slightly embarrassed. I hope they don't do it better than I I've did, though. Defaulted, I but I've defaulted to ask you about that within two questions, which is a bit of a... Shame. Don't beat yourself up. So you know, all you're, the... a, you're a good guy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but I'm interested in monstrous, uh, uh, regiment. monstrous regiment. Yeah. Tell me about them. I love where the, uh, the Word, name comes. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a story about where they get their title from. Right. Okay. I think it's John Knox, yeah. who is a kind of um, 16th century kind mm. of political, religious figure, <laughs> yeah. and um, the monstrous regiment of women. Regiment meaning, um, you know, of regal of kings it was it was mary it was mary queen of scots mm. was it and it was and elizabeth first yeah. and was it um who's the one marguerite de valois yes, maybe, you know so that there were the what what was who were these women in positions of power this monstrous regiment mm. of women so that's so that's what monsters though this theater company collective of women and all they had men actors as well um they set up in the 70s and they were also I think they were quite interested in history and kind of unpicking you know but history was always women were sort of vanished from history weren't they so they they did um, Moses Regiment I think I'm right in saying did Carol Churchill's um, Vinegar Tom for the first time it's very good that's right yeah, yeah and it is which I love that play too I must say I really adore it along with many other people but so that's the kind of that's the sort of nature of Monstrous Regiment and what they and are and you were there to. as an actor well, I was for one project, um, 
after I, you know, because I wanted to be an actor, that's how I started out, and I and left university. Yeah. Did a year at East 15, like... Right. Well, you know... How I mean, was that? Well, it, <laughs> I don't know, really. It was kind of... I met some really good people, and uh, we, I made a cat... We, we, we made a cabaret group with a couple of my friends, and we started writing material, which was quite interesting. And, well, yeah, so... Yeah, so then I started acting, and that was that was just a job that I got, sort of thing. But um, mm. it was... A, it was it, I don't know. I was I just not meant to be an actor. Because I was always like, what are we doing this for, you know? <laughs> did you enjoy I just it? Get bored. Did, you en- did you enjoy it? I used to get bored. Right. I used to just, like, be like... I can remember sort of standing on stage, like, what am I doing? Why am I in this funny <laughs> costume? It's I the April oh, Dungeness self-deprecation. <laughs> 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 it wasn't even self-deprecation. I was just like, I just... There was something wrong. I right. thought myself into the Very wrong good. world, yeah. you know? And so why... And, and you wrote Breathless around that time. Uh, yeah, I did. Because there was a, somebody... I, I'd written some stuff at university, and then... But I just didn't go, I want to be a writer. And I think, again, if you've got to think back to what it was like in 1983, I know it's like mm. tumbleweed sound, if you put that in everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was like, were, there were no writing courses. There were no thing. There weren't many women writers, you know. By I, the time this podcast goes out, <laughs> that, that situation might have returned again. <laughs> you By the say, time anyone listens to this podcast. Yeah. It's exactly like Britain in 2017. <laughs> oh, God, no, don't. Oh, dear, Brexit, hell. No, but sorry, yeah. sorry. No, I'm no, no. It's, I'm interrupting mean, you because well, there, there was no way in to starting to well, for or I couldn't quite no, not in a way of you could you couldn't go to Royal Court and join a group because there were right. groups like that. I mean, what's brilliant about what's happened is that you know young writers, well, certainly if you're London based, um, can you know a, a, try and join a, a, a young mm. writers group or the Soho Theatre, Paints Plough. I mean, the Bush. There's lots of places to so get in. With the first things, you, the first things you wrote were at university. I wrote a play for. Um, Oh, yeah, I wrote a play that went to Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, because the, um, the the Drama Society mm. was encouraging people to write plays. And um, uh, someone had written a play based on, I think, an Ian McEwan short story. They'd a, a version mm. <laughs> where um, it's basically a play about a man, but in one minute in the centre of the play, this, this um, mannequin comes to life and speaks... And then she's sort of silenced again. And I remember just, I suppose it was such a clear image of like a woman in a play that it made me think, oh, that's not very good. You know, why can't women speak a bit more than just being like, it's a whole play. And then they're woken up for a minute. They're not dead anymore. They go, blah, blah, blah. And then they die again. And that's it. But there's got to be better roles for women than that. So, And I, I think that that sort of, and they were, we were encouraged to write things. And so I, I just had a go. And um, there's something really fabulous, isn't there, about not having no preconceptions about, you don't. You're not proving anything to yourself. You're just having a go at something, and it's kind of fun. And I, mm. I'm really trying to get back to that at the moment. Like, it's got to be fun. That impulse that what the yeah, you've got to be interested. What? Why are you doing it? It's just like yeah. literally on a little playful level. You know, you kind of get. I've got to write an important play, and you sort of put all these sort of brick, f- rocks yeah. on yourself. Yeah. Well, actually, it's like you forget the double work. meaning of the word play. Get the double meaning that of the play. If yeah. we're not playing, well, exactly, <laughs> we're and the actually, ones who got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's very easy to sort of get frightened away from playing. Yes, into having to be significant, you know, to be important, to be worth your place or whatever, you know, to write something that's going to last, that's going to mean something. You you feel this, the, this uh, sort of imperative, and you've got to say, well, where what is that? Because people actually 
people like don't even really respond to things to things like that I think they I think people really respond to imagination when children are playing what they're doing is they're exploring who they are in the world through their imagination they're kind of displacing that by the toys they play with other stories yeah they make or what up. they could be who they could be because and, you can be anything in and, a play presumably and in those plays you wrote at university or leading mm. up to breathless was there that same sense of exploration of who you were in the world or is that pure conjecture well I think I mean and I don't know. I don't think I was consciously thinking like that. Right. And I do think that, you know, when you're writing, whether you like it or not, you are exploring yourself, even, yeah. you know, because what else are you doing? You can't sort of leave yourself in a corner and just go write something and come back and get yourself afterwards and go, come on, you boring bastard. We're going, I want it. You've got to, you, you are the thing that has to, that is, that you're exploring. So yes. whatever you do, you are, I mean, I do believe that it's autobiography, no matter how imaginatively um, far it might seem from your world or everything. So I suppose that's what kids are doing as well and what we're all doing. But it's like, I think it is quite, you know, one of the rocks you can put on yourself is not to be honest, yeah. not to really know what you really, how you really respond to something because you don't like to look like a lot of us, me included, don't always want to look at what we're feeling or... Because it's quite, it can be difficult, or it can mean we have to change, or we'd rather push something away, or yeah. it's really, it's really interesting how. But being in a free, playful mood, you can allow things to emerge in an interesting way. I mean, that should be the idea of writing, but it's quite hard to remember that. <laughs> Does that yeah. define your early writing? Um, I always, I did it. No, but I think I. Well, I think when I started out, like, I didn't have, like, something on my shoulder going, you're a right, you know, mm. I just was doing it sort of thing. Right. So it was something like Playhouse Creatures, which was a commission about the first actresses. Yeah. Which I'd never even, by the way, think about feminine, I'd never even thought of who they were. I'd never even thought, oh, where did the first actress come from? Who were they? Didn't even give, I hadn't gone to university, I'd acted in plays, hadn't even crossed my mind, which is so weird. I mean, I'm either, you know, what is that about? It's about sort of silences, the power of silences and the history you're given, just accepting it and not really having to think, well, where did that, if you could take that back, where did that... Playhouse Creatures was later, though, wasn't it, Playhouse Creatures? It was, eight, 90, it's true, it was 92 90, or right. something, 93. It is a bit later, actually. Yeah. So was it the first the first things I ever wrote? Well, I just, I just experiment. They were sort of quite experimental and... Reading an interview with you about your first play here, about Hush... Oh, yeah. You're, you're really fascinating in, in the interview because you talk about your relationship to the plays that you've been writing and your peers have been writing in the previous kind of yeah. five, six, seven years about the ease of with, with which in feminist theatre, this is paraphrasing, you should put yeah. it in your own words, and you might not believe it anymore or even yeah. remember it, that there were easier solutions in feminist plays, but they, but that you didn't believe in those solutions anymore. And with Hush, you were trying yeah. to explore something more contradictory. Is that fair? Or it, Yes, I mean, I think it's... Fair that I probably thinking you know if if you if you take a play and I mean I joined a theatre company called Resistors and we were putting on plays mm. to kind you know it was a, com a company the idea was you put women centre stage and you sort of tried to change the world we yeah. went we visited women's refuges and we tried yes. to put people's stories on stage and but it, I suppose you know you that issue very issue based theatre that I'd been working with and everything I just in the end you think well is it actually it's like it has a truth that you have to um, 
there's a, a kind of an accepted idea of what the truth is or what the outcome of a play should be. Mm. It's about this kind of um, women working together to overthrow, mm. um, you know, to be heard, to bring in a better world. See if, uh, or and women, you know, women or women are victims and must overcome this victimhood or whatever the story we were telling. And I suppose I just got a bit like. Oh, because got this can't. I knew somehow that you've got to break out of that and try and be just a bit more complicated. And I think also the times were changing, yeah. and people had seen a lot of that kind of theatre. And they, I think, audience might have wanted a bit more as well. But I don't think Hush. I think Hush was me trying to write a serious play, and uh, <laughs> I don't think it's very good personally. So, so it was, but I quite like quite like it. <laughs> I, don't I don't. Disagree. <laughs> I, think, I don't can, like it at all. I'll but. allow you to. Defi- <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll defer to you in that. Uh, but I didn't which know, is the you know. first of your plays that you return to now with a sense of pride? Um, Playhouse Creatures, probably, yeah. just because it's sort of it worked and it carries on sort of being done. Tell us the story about that and the commissioning of it and the writing of it. Yeah. Just tell us the. So the Women's Theatre Company, mm. which was set up, and alongside a monstrous regiment, but only employed women. Mm. Um, you know, it was again. It was like a revolutionary act. It's like, well, where are the plays for women? Where are the plays with parts for women? Um, there's just it's like a desert out mm. there, you know. And um, so, and it was Claire Grove who then became a, a really well-known um, radio producer who first had the idea, and then um, Sue Parrish who took over after it also then mm. took on this commission and encouraged me to. So they said, oh, you know, write a play about the first actresses, and I just. Oh yeah, okay. So I just took it because I thought, it, and uh, I remember I remember going to the library and like trying to get some books out about the first actresses, and there was like there weren't any books. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, what? This is really weird. But there were there were kind of there were there were sort of like dusty tomes from written in nineteen fifties with this really sort of paternalistic voice going, these you know sprightly young women, first people on the stage, where they had guts and vim and ha <laughs> And they had nice tits or whatever. It was all a bit like that. The sort of quality, the sort of writing, and so you had to sort of pick out what the history was. And so I mean, now there are. How did you go about doing that? I then? don't know. I just sort of read what between the lines, and then Elizabeth Howe's book came out about, which is a brilliant book about the the, the first actresses. But that was in about nineteen. I, it was just I'd written a draft before I read that, and I think I read that before the second draft, and that was brilliant because it was was actually feminist scholarship for the first time yeah. on this subject. So it was like, it was so interesting, you know, that... Do you remember Because where how, would we be without the scholarship, you know? In terms of time, in terms of mm. the time of the process of writing that play, and that's kind of, you know, I mean, that's... A, I'd describe Jumpy as a m- modern classic, and I think the same could be said of Playhouse Creatures for sure. But in, in mm. that... In that just so people will be listening who love that play and be fascinated yeah. by the length of time you spent researching it, what your yeah. process was, if you remember what your yeah. process was for writing the thing. Yeah. How long were you uh, were you frustratedly scrabbling around libraries looking well, for not some very mention? Long. I know, it was true. <laughs> I mean, not that long, because in those days you'd be given a commission and they'd say, can you give it to us in three months? Right. And that's how I used to work. I used to right. go, great, yep. It'll be six months research, six weeks research and yep. six months writing and then you get the first you get the first draft. It right. was just like a little, it was like a process. And did you enjoy that? Well, yeah, it's just what I knew and it was mm. like, fine. And also then you'd get your £2,000, whatever you earn for it. Mm. <laughs> there weren't many royalties. <laughs> and that, you'd have to you'd have to do about, you know, five of those a year in, to Yeah, in order to get a, Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what happened. You just kept on getting these sort of, that's how you sort of carried on. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, and, but there was a second draft. There was a, uh, I think my first approach 
idea about that play was that there would be two time scales. There'd be the 17th century and there'd be now. Mm. And um, very quickly I sort of realised that actually it's exactly the same. It's exactly the same <laughs> problems facing actresses then and facing now. Yeah. There's no need for two time scales because it's right. sort of an eternal kind of was that Was that a revelation that you found in the writing or in the yeah. planning? In the actual, well, actually, no, because I started writing, yeah. and I said, "Oh, well, they're just sort of saying the same things." Do you plan? Did you did, do you plan in general, as opposed to yeah. research? You go from research to planning. Are you a planner? Not a big planner. Right. No, I mean, I'm. I mean, I really, I've. There are things that I understand about structure, but I, I really wish I could really plan, but I, I don't seem to be able to be it too. <laughs> I just have to. I think I just have to like the characters and get the right characters together in a situation and have some forward ideas about what might happen in the play, and which I think is a really sort of not a very um, efficient way of being a writer, actually. So I don't it, know if you plan. But I, I, I have done, yeah, I do. And do Can you? It, yeah, in general. You see, I think that's I'm, probably the I'm, better thing to do. I'm not joking. I, wish I, I think it's a different thing, and I think they get different qualities, and I'm always envious of people who just write with a sense of intuition. But I love what you're saying about you get... It's not just that you find character, but you get characters and put them together. Yes. And they exist in the crackle between yes, each other in some way. Yes, I think they do. And it's very weird, like, I've, you know, how long, how long a, a play can gestate, sort of thing. Yeah. A good, I think good plays sometimes have a long gestation, whether you know it or not. Have you had thing. that experience with a play that it's gestated for a long time? Well, I been tr I was I had a character that I sort of I found this character about two years ago that I really you know I thought that I I was sort of like fascinated by sort of thing and it was sort of came out of a true true story and but every time I tried to write them into a play it was so pious it was like everyone was you'd be really knew what I thought for the first minute you saw that character yeah. on stage you'd be like okay that's her that's her agenda that's her and I just think that's really actually dull because I'd, I I'm I'm completely going off. I'm sort of going off issue-based drama or drama about... I, I don't know. I'm, I sort of think the only thing I'm really interested in is actually characters. Politics, but mm. through characters, which I know isn't... But, I mean, what is politics, anyway? And what is it? How is it experienced? How is it experienced in a, in a body or, a, you know, in, in people's... Um, you know, the makeup, people's sort of psychological makeup or something? I, th I think maybe that's what I'm just interested in. But this character had been knocking around for ages and I just couldn't kind of kill it off or... I don't know, it's just there, like, hovering around like a sort of, a, you know, weird thing. And then another person came in that I didn't even have to think about yeah. or invent or anything because they just... It, they just need... It was like a triangle there. That was the third part of the triangle. Now, who knows? This play might... I'm trying to write it's, it now. It it's might a play be you're shit. writing at the moment. It's a play writing at the moment. Yeah. It might be totally shit mm. and it might not go anywhere because I decided just to be... I'm just gonna have fun, and I don't care if it doesn't work out because I just want to see myself. I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to be sort of like you've got the right play. I'm just gonna see well, what are these people gonna sure. do. But it's very yeah. interesting, isn't it, the gestation of something like that? Yes. Because you don't sit down with a blank piece of paper and go, okay, scene one. These are blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. Because I just don't think life's. I don't even so think what, relationships so are like that. Do you have these anything. people? Sorry, I'm no, go on. no, 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 please, go on. I'm will you gabbling. have the, Will you write dialogue for these people? Are you, do you yes. start by writing them in dialogue? I do, and then you, so you're kind of exploring them and discovering yeah. them as you go. Yeah. yeah, and I what usually happens if if I mean is that you I'd wake up in the morning and I just start thinking about the moment. What I'm doing is like I'm just waking up and I'm just thinking about them, and I try and write whatever I've thought. I'll write that scene in the morning, and I don't really know. What time of day do you write? 
I'm always much better in the morning. Are you, and, and I mean, you, I can write adaptations and stuff like I've been doing. I've done an adaptations recently and I've just... That, I, I can do those any time of day. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. But the morning is the time for real creative thing. I think it would just be being asleep and you're just fresher. So do you, would you write before you've had breakfast or write before you no, got dressed? No, I'd never write before I had breakfast, <laughs> but I would write before I get dressed. And sometimes right. I don't even get dressed. And sometimes it's like your doorbell rings. You think, oh, Jesus. Like, no, I can't answer the door because I'm in my pyjamas. It's two o'clock. How, how, um, I was going to ask you, this is about your working day, but it's yeah. a tangential kind of parenthetical yeah. thing. You've written brilliantly as a mother as well and kind of raised... Well, as a... You mean having to write while being a mum? While being a mum. I think it's a yeah. pra- there's practical issues around that. Yeah. And, and as there are for people yeah. who are dads. Yes, there are. And so Kids, um, yeah. I'm interested... Uh, I was. Yeah. I am interested in your working day. Yeah, yeah. Because um, your daughter's not at school anymore. No, now so, she's she's 23 now, so, so she's left home and everything. Right, so let's finish about the yeah. working day and, talk, and then talk about yeah. being a mum. So yeah. the working day, you get up, Eat. Yes. And where do you write? Well, I sometimes write in bed, or I sometimes just go to my. Um, on what? On on. Yeah, on a, on a laptop. On I'm, a laptop. I'm, I'm, I mean, the other day when I, I had to go somewhere, so I had to get a tube in the morning, and then I just realised as I was walking to the tube that I was thinking about these characters, so I had to buy a notebook, which like. <laughs> That's such a great thing to do. They just wrote on the tube. You see these 19, 20-year-old writers nowadays, April, they will write that on the notebook on their phones. I know, but it's just like, I can't move, I can't do it fast enough. But there's a relationship, isn't there, between the physical act of writing and the intellectual act of writing. Yeah. But you enjoy typing your writing rather than handwriting it. I I think that I always, I I don't know if it's just things like, what is the point of writing by hand? You're only going to have to put it on the computer, it's like a time thing. But I do sometimes write by hand when the idea, like, and sometimes on public transport, if the idea strikes you, if you if you've got, the thing is about writing. I think the best thing is like just catch the idea. Yeah. Don't worry about it too much. Like it's an impulse. <laughs> yeah, just great. like write it. Great. And and as you do that, you know, you will write. Say you write ten lines. Well, that's a lot of lines that come from nothing, and it's come on an impulse, and that's usually good rather than sitting there going, you know, that awful thing when you 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 have a blank. You've got you know weeks weeks set aside and you've got your blank thing and you screen and you go oh what can my play be about <laughs> oh I could be about a piano and a... no I don't want... you know I mean it's like it's much better when you it can just be about go... a piano because there's a piano in the room so you're <laughs> yeah, just exactly. looking around you for something yeah. to write or about. a radiator <laughs> yeah. a man comes to fit a radiator anyway but you know what I mean it's like it's much I think that it's much better to so at the moment I've been doing adaptations what I really like is like just doing adaptation mm. and then just when this plays like I've got a little moment. I'll just do do that, you know. Great. Is that your working day? What did you? Do? What was your? Yeah, I don't want to choose a particular day, but yeah. now, uh, your dream working day. My dream working day is getting up in the morning. At what time? <laughs> Not having hangover. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be really brutally truthful about this. <laughs> Let's because enter into drink, the world of fantasy drink, already. Yeah. If you yeah. drink too much the yeah. night before, you are fucked. Sorry to be rude. No, I mean, it's I quite good to be really careful not to. Not to do that. So I often I try to keep an eye on that. If I you, really you, wanna... you don't engage in the whole kind of notion that we write as writers, we need to get out of our heads and get no, drunk and take never. drugs. And I think that's avoiding your yeah, stuff. Right. I think it's the opposite of good writing. Mm. So you know you're not you're not going to do. I mean, I mean I stopped didn't drink for a year once as an ex, sort of experiment, and it was quite good. I I realised then yeah, you've got to watch all that. But anyway, I mean in terms of being in just. You know, anyway, you're a bit wrecked and useless if you haven't written. So anyway, so then you have breakfast. And then, yeah. like, the other day, I just stayed in bed and I wrote a scene. Yeah. And then I was really, like, chuffed because it's like, you've written a scene. <laughs> and then I had to... Tell us about a... that feeling of being chuffed. 
it's just really brilliant because it's like it's just like not you have because you know you haven't kind of like agonized and like forced out I mean I can be the if I do that which I've done many times it's just awful writing <laughs> I've written some things I really don't like mm. I think it's because I've done that you know this is my subject and I've really and I, I think I think you do you might do that I did that when I started out like with Playhouse Crete you know I had a subject and I researched it but I wasn't too heavy about it I just did it yeah. and now I, I don't know I think it's much better to I think the thing is that you've just got to you've got to nurture your imagination and just like go with that really it's quite inspiring hearing you talk about writing because yeah. you know you're inspiring because we're similar age we're writers yes. in similar positions in our yes. careers but the way you're mm. talking about it is mm. with a it's, it's like a hunger to continually reinvent what you're doing. Yes. Which I find quite inspiring. Yes. You know, you're, it's not like you know how to write a play. No, but. I actually don't, which is a big thing. <laughs> but, um, how was, you know, but I've got ideas about it and I can, I, you know, thoughts and everything. But how, actually, actually how to write plays actually always a bit of a... How useful is the writing adaptations for you? Well, I've really, I mean, I've just done one and I'm just, I was just saying earlier that I've worked doing Frankenstein at the moment. And, um, doing Frankenstein for the Royal Exchange. Yeah, doing you did the Wuthering Royal Heights for, for Birmingham. Birmingham, yeah. And um, I've just been adapting. I mean, I think this is, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I think it's going to happen. The Eleanor Franti books, you know those four? She's written these four massive books. I don't know, that's my profound ignorance. No, what no, no, she's, like, uh, she's this Italian, well, nobody knows who she is because she's kept her identity a total secret. Mm. She's an artistic act. As, okay. uh, my brilliant, it's called My Brilliant Friend. It's about yeah. a friendship between two women. Contemporary stories. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it starts off in, in just post-war Naples and yeah. it goes to, um, you know, 60 years on from there. Don't ask me about my maths, isn't very... <laughs> it was like 2005. You know, it's this kind of... Um, or 2010. So it's like, it's a story. And they're four massive novels and they're, they're brilliant. So mm. what was really good about that... For? The Rose Theatre in Kingston. Great. I mean, what I, was really good about that? Sorry, I interrupted you again. Yeah, no, no, no. What was really good about that is yeah. that I had to get in the side of inside the mind of a brilliant, as much as I of a brilliant writer. So I had to read these amazing books, and they're they're big books, four books. I had to read them. Well, I let at least maybe three times. But by the time I'd finished, and I had to know the plots and the, just had to. And it's like, well, what? How great is that for your your brain? Because my brain is naturally lazy. It doesn't really <laughs> want to do anything except really have a you know, enjoy itself, have a drink and a bit of a chat, yeah. read the odd you know, see the see a play. Or I don't but to you know, you have to kind of sometimes to be made to really attend to the actual sort of minutiae or the structure. Well, you've done it because you've done yeah. the, the Chekhovs. I mean, yeah. To be made to do that is, is really good exercise to yeah. your brain. Oh. And it's, it works another part of your brain than the imaginative part. And there is imagination in it, but it's not the same as creating something. And it sort of leaves you free. Somehow it work. It takes all the kind of sort of boring, ploddy energy out, mm. and just leaves you with the kind of pleasure bits that you and can the, do your other bits of writing. And with. The, the technical, the technical side of, of of structuring narrative and drama yeah. and action. Yeah. Yeah. Do you then bring that into uh, into your own creative writing, into your own your own plays? What the adaptations? Well, the, yeah. The, uh, what I mean is when I've somebody's thought. When I've when I've done adaptations yeah. or written versions yeah. I then find going back to writing my own plays that I'm galvanised by the presence of Chekhov or Mark Haddon or whatever Yes, and, and I think I, I write better so. because of it I I'm, I'm sure and I hope so that's the case but again there's no easy you know you can't just plug something into yourself we're not that 
it would be so great, wouldn't it, if you could, I think I'm going to read the works of Chekhov, and then I'm going to write, write like Chekhov. Chekhov. Yeah. What's interesting, this doesn't work. I wish it did. We'd not like that. We're just different, built, not built like that. Thinking about the adaptations you've done, and going back to you as a kind of undergraduate at Sussex, that you've you've adapted three great women writers for the stage, although you might not have been conscious of the gendered canon as yes. an undergraduate. You're addressing yeah. it now, yeah. <laughs> however oh, yeah. consciously oh, no, or, or is it is it a conscious thing? No, I think the things people give me that work because I'm a woman, yeah. and so they think, well, you'd be quite good to do a woman's. I mean, I don't know whether I mean that's good in a way, but if it means they're not going to give you the Chekhovs and or the Ibsens or, or, the Ibsens or yeah. something, then that's not so good. And there is actually there are statistics that suggest that only twenty percent of adaptations go to women writers right. and eighty percent to male writers. So I think that is one area in which yeah. women do slightly as if the classics and a woman somehow you know the classical body and the female body which is a uh, somehow always structured and considered through history as not classical do you think of yourself as a feminist playwright yes why not and what does that mean to you yeah women center stage yeah. women's voices women being active women's sensibilities not being marginalized not being victims you know our world and our, our lives are, are really fascinating and why not put them them not being all their flaws flaws and all yeah. on stage you know yeah. not being not being just, mannequins that come briefly yeah, to life and not then being go back to sleep absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah totally tell me about jumpy the writing of jumpy well that was an i that was a play i think i did actually sort of i was here uh, at the raw court, the raw court and yeah. i with uh, and i was kind of i've been given a commission and i was on the grid reading plays and mm. It was very inspiring to be. It's very inspiring, right, to be in this theatre and to be reading lots of plays and discussing them with yeah. brilliant people yeah. that are here. And, so just for um, people who don't know that, yeah, the, that that's every Friday morning it used to be yeah. or Friday lunchtime. Yeah. A collection of associates will gather mm. at the Royal Court and they'll read new plays that have been yeah. delivered to the theatre and advise the artistic director whether they should produce them or not. Yeah. and you are here doing that under yeah. Dominic Cook. Under Dominic Cook, for yeah, for two years, three years. Yeah, three yeah. years actually. I was yeah. only come, supposed to come for about six weeks, and then I just wouldn't go. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like clinging onto the door. And no! what did you enjoy about that? Well, I, it's so thrilling to mm. a. It's you have to read three plays, and you have to really read them, mm. not just skim them. You mm. have to kind of be able to read them so that you can talk about them mm. and do them justice. But also, I'd come into the meetings, and I think, well, I know what people are going to say about these plays. Yeah. And the first person would open the mouth, and it would be completely the opposite of what I thought. Yes. And I just think. Well, that's not possible. Here's this play. <laughs> this is what I think. How come you think this? Oh my God! And somebody else thinks something else again. Mm. And then we'd have this kind of debate. And then I just found it really sort of stimulating mm. and sort of brilliant. And, and that was and, and jumpy crystallised out of that. Yeah, it experience. did actually. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'd obviously had been. I was fifty, and I'd had a daughter who's a teenager. And I think I'd a lot of that. I just drew on my life, but obviously it wasn't my life. I mean, it is fictional, and um, mm. but things. I think when you're writing, sometimes people just a good thing happens is people just tell you things and you just think, my God, I'm just putting that in my place. It's as if you become this hub, <laughs> you suck in all this information. People just tell you things you need or things happen, yeah. and it's like it's like that's when you know. I don't know what it is about that. Some sort of receptivity is happening in your imagination. Do you think people are more open with you or you're more open to them? You notice the things that they're telling you well, and the I things that are happening. Well, I think you must notice things that they're telling you yeah. or there's even something more mysterious that I don't even know what it is. Yeah. But it, sometimes it does feel really strange. Like, you think, God, I'm just, I'm just thinking about this and someone's told me this story. Mm. How's that? That's really sort of brilliant. It must be what being receptive to it, I suppose. And what... what, um, what how long did Jumpy take to write? What was the writing um, like? Was it well, fun to write? It was fun to write because I did it the same. I just didn't... I wasn't 
weirdly from having I'd, I'd written a a scene that Dominic Cook saw and he said you've got to make that scene into a play so mm. I was like okay I will and you'd think like if Dominic Cook said that to you what you'd go like I'm spending the rest I'm locking myself away but I just didn't do that I don't know why I was like oh yeah okay bye let's put the scene away and I was thinking that's okay three months later I thought what am I doing I've got to but then I just wrote it incrementally sort of scene by scene like and I didn't worry about it and, and just writing sort of it chronologically, so you Not wrote whatever totally. happened next. Yeah, yeah, I did a little bit chronologically, yeah. but um, I wrote some scenes and then I realised that they were chronological. Do you know what I mean? That's another yeah. thing that can happen. Great. You just suddenly think, oh God, that fits there and that fits there. And then you think, well, there's a gap there, so this must be this. And then, then that I gave that in and then I had a chat and, and I wrote a few more scenes and that was it. And it wasn't, it wasn't a difficult pain, it was a sort of painless process. And the enjoyment was the imaginative and was the lack yeah. of pain and the imaginative experience of inhabiting characters. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. You inhabit male characters really brilliantly, I always think. But people always think they're a bit underwritten though, which I, I think do, I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck on that. But they're, if they if they ain't got as many words, they're fully imagined. Do you enjoy writing yeah. men, or do you? Or, or... Yeah, I do enjoy writing yeah. them because I, I mean, I I like writing any character if I can if I really get the character. Do you know yes. what I mean? It's yeah. fun then because you think, oh, I know what they do, then I know what they say. Oh yeah, it's funny because you know you sort of you sort of get them, and I think that's and I'm not and I am writing character based stuff. I'm not. I'm not writing unascribed dialogue, which I think is brilliant, and there's many other ways to write. Yes. I think I, that's just... I think you have to accept your own voice, actually. The, the, that's my voice. The gesture at the heart of your plays is you ask actors to pretend to be another human being for a bit. Yes. Yeah? Yeah, well, I think that was fun about acting. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know. How are you in rehearsal? I'm just, like, really... I don't know, actually, actually. Well, I was going to say I was really good, but then I thought, well, actually, I'm, what, I'm not, actually. Have you well, got I'm actors very... or directors that you return to? or? Well, I uh, I don't think... I mean, it's not that I've done that much, but there are many, but I, I, obviously I would return to Nina Rain if she'd ever have me back. She's got, <laughs> but she's her own, doing her own writing mm. brilliantly at the moment, whatever. Um, and also, I think what's really nice about being a writer is that you encounter different people all the time. You're in a different theatre, there's a different director, there's a different... And it's, like, really fun. So you're mm. in a different team, and it's, like, different people, and it's interesting, isn't it? Mm. To, to be just put in a situation and to meet new people, and it seems like I think that's really thrilling about being in the theatre. That spirit of kind of search for human interaction, even watching you talk to me now, and yeah. we've got the magnificent producer Emily to my right. <laughs> of, of all the people I've interviewed, you've got a real instinct to look to her as well, and you—it's like the It's like for you. She looks so nice. She's brilliant. <laughs> She's actually brilliant. But it's—it's it's like the uh, the 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 process of engaging in conversation is fundamental to the way you see the world. So you talk about you just like so. having a chat. Yeah. But there's something very political about that as well, isn't there? You and get your oh maybe there is I I mean that that's good yeah I'm gonna take that yeah you write about people having conversations and it's political because it's a conversation and yeah. it's not like we need conversation at the moment oh I mean God, this is gonna I be brought, this has been podcast in October and November December maybe oh, but wow. we're talking a week after the Brexit referendum yeah, we are. and I, I feel yeah. acutely the need yeah to engage yes in actually it's who knows yeah. what's gonna happen in the next six months yes <laughs> but if anything good wow. comes out of it it's gonna come out of conversation yeah. Mm. Well, and, and and listening to each other. Yeah, that's right. Not othering each other. Yeah. And, you know, actually, I was at the rally yesterday with Jeremy Corbyn and he said, you know, don't, um, don't, if you're going to 
be debating someone, you know, don't be aggressive because the minute mm. you're aggressive, all that happens is you push the other person away and nobody, you can't, people can't listen if you're being aggressive. Yeah. And he said, please don't be aggressive. And I, I mean, I'm a real fan of Jeremy Corbyn. I'm hope, you know, that's, that's just the truth. But I, but I love that he said that. I thought that's mm. great coming from a political kind of leader. Uh, a harangued political leader. Yeah, who's actually a really politi- interesting yeah, yeah. political person who has yeah. interesting ideas yeah. and isn't about kind of the kind of you know Cameron's. Well, he's gone as well, hasn't he? Jocular, you, jocular aggression. You're you're a creature of the theatre in that you've not written a great deal of television or film or radio. No, I have written. I've done. I've done more radio, but not like I've done adaptations and things. Yeah, and a couple of things. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm a creature of the theatre. I don't really. It's hard enough just doing the theatre. I don't know how people do more. And a, a teacher of theatre as well. You've taught. Yes. I mean, we. I was yeah. spoke to Joe Pennell. Yeah. Who talked about you teaching him? Yes. Is teaching important to you as a writer, or just uh, as a human? Just... I. I think it. I mean, it's that thing again. You. What one feels, it must be. I mean, I sat watching so many interesting, including yourself, do such brilliant workshops. You know, on writing with students. Look to people's reactions. You know, it's these, and it's all questions about well. If you write a play, what are you doing? How do you do it? What's what's you know what's driving people to write plays? What does this structure mean? How's the best way to express this? I mean, it's fascinating to be in a workshop doing that stuff, isn't it? Mm. And it must add to writing, hopefully, or it's just a fascinating thing in itself, you know. Are you an optimist? I think I am actually. Mm. What are you optimistic about now? I am optimistic that um, somehow the people and young people in this country want to challenge the establishment and don't want, do not want to go back to a kind of pessimism, you know, the pessimism of austerity and mm. the pessimism of not really having a, a, a say in the world they live in. They're you know, being handed this shit deal about housing and education and the, the environment. Well, they, you know, I was out this rally yesterday, there were so many young people going, actually, just, we want our voices heard and we want somebody, we don't want the status quo of sort of ghouls like, Michael Gove they're just ghouls saying you can't have this it's all awful just behave yourself it's like uh, no is it, that's what I'm optimistic about are you a Londoner yes and how does that manifest itself for you how do you how do you feel your own Londonerness? well I mean it just it, it, I, I don't know I suppose it's what I you know I grew up in London and yeah. I know London so I don't know somewhere else you could put it like that yeah I don't really you know I can't go home to somewhere else I have to stay London is home and that's what I know and yeah. you know where I grew up and my family come and stuff like so uh, and I, 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 I suppose that in a way I'm not happy now I think about it I have to set my plays in London you now have, I, because I yeah because London, yeah. well unless I suppose if the ones I'm going to write because I think that's what I sort of know yes and I don't want to really pretend I know somewhere else when yeah. I it's a beach on the Irish coast I don't know that do you mm. know what I mean would you ever <laughs> set a scene in a place that you've never been to um, if I had to, I suppose I would. But, but not by instinct or choice. Well, that's really... I mean, I've never been backstage in the 17th century. For sure. So I had, you know, I like... But then yeah. I've been to lots of theatres, you see. Yeah. And I think it's all the same stuff, you know. And you've written a lot... Where's about... my prop? You know? <laughs> you've written a lot about the past. Yeah, because uh, I think there was a real... There was... But about the past, it's all been set in the theatre, like... Yeah, the laugh match. It's all been sort of theatre plays set in the past, <laughs> which uh, are fun, yeah. basically. The theatre is fun, backstage theatre and front stage is fun. Do you so. feel optimistic about the Royal Court? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Totally. I think the theatre's a brilliant... God, I was here 
the other day, um, I was here the day after Brexit, actually, for some mm. reason. And it was so nice to be here. Everybody, it felt like such a sort of human place where humans come to do human stuff and think about being human. And, and it's a really, you know, it's a, a place that wants to, I know this theatre wants to reach out to people and it doesn't want to be an elite, even though it's in Sloane Square. Mm. That's not its heart, really. And the people that work here aren't, are very diverse and it's like, you know, a lot of the, it's got such great politics, hasn't it? Putting voices on stage that haven't been heard before. Yeah. It's not about making profit or, yeah. and reaching about, out, like cutting it. I'm going to see cutting it tonight. Well, yeah. what a great play yeah. I've heard and I'm sure it is. So. It's, about, it's about reaching out to continue the engagement with the conversation. Yeah, it is yeah. like a big conversation and it's really, I, I think it's not an excluding place which is good. So I'm very positive about the theatre. And in fact, you know, for, it's always, and it's, it's existed for such, you know, 100 years and it'll carry on, hopefully. But next October, no. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know, no. April mm. D'Angelis, thank you very much indeed. Cheers, Simon. Thank you. That was really good fun. And thanks, Emily. Thanks, producer Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thanks very much for listening to the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights Podcast. If you'd like to listen to more, then make sure you subscribe at royalcourttheatre.com or on iTunes to get the next episode. You can purchase many of the plays discussed here, all of the plays discussed here, at royalcourttheatre.com forward slash shop or come into the bookshop uh, at the theatre in Sloan Square. Come to the theatre, come and see the plays. Follow us on Twitter at Royal Court. Follow me on Twitter at Stephen Simon and tune in next week to next week's Royal Court Theatre Playwrights podcast. Uh, I'm Simon Stevens. Have a brilliant week. Thank you very much for listening. See you later. Ta-ra.